Today's topic is strategic strip tilling with cover crops. And those of you who know me well know that I, as a farmer, am a, I'll call myself a pure no-tiller. Uh, my fields haven't been tilled for over 22 years, and I started back in the early 80s on, on some of my fields. That being said, I am all about taking farmers from wherever they're at in their farming system to a place that is going to be better for their soil health and that almost always has cover crops involved in it. So I want to just uh, start with a little quick story here. Back in 1999, this is the... Uh, I guess you'd say the uh, <clears throat> the earlier version of Steve Groff. This is me in California, and uh, just seeing all the tillage out there was uh, quite quite eye opening, I guess, to me. But the point is, they wanted to use some cover crops. Now, if you look closely at this picture, you see there's raised beds there, and this is where direct seeded tomatoes were planted. But what you can see is there's a few sprigs of cover crop or triticale uh, coming out of the ground where they had planted the cover crop but then worked it up and made the raised bed. So, hey, it was a good start, I guess you would say. And then I was back in uh, California several years later and was uh, clearly impressed, I guess you'd say, and maybe slightly surprised at the at the uh, the progress that they were making. So this is a couple years later. This would have been triticale that was uh, sprayed out, and then they did what I'll call a strip till, a small strip, and then they they transplanted tomatoes into that strip. They were able to use their conventional transplanters because they they used actually a two tine tiller type thing that uh, incorporated a little fertilizer and also uh, tilled up that area. So progress is being made, and um, I'll just mention, too, that one of our members, Monty Bottens, who uh, is where I met him, actually, uh, in California. He was doing some consulting work for some of these farms out there. So uh, from 1999 to 2006, this particular farm is 4,000 acres of processed tomatoes. And um, I don't remember if every single acre was uh, was uh, cover cropped and no-tilled like this. But, again, it was just interesting to, for me to see the progress. And that's what we're talking about today in our topic with uh, strip-till. No matter where you're coming from, we want to see progress. Uh, this next picture was taken more recently, actually one of the largest tomato growers in California. And uh, to have them with uh, to, to have them essentially strip tilling their tomatoes is a, a big step, a big step certainly in the right direction. And um, their biggest challenge, as you're probably aware, in California is water management. And they, they literally have to buy water to grow a cover crop. So what is the trade-off then of the water savings you get by the cover crop um, mulch and so forth that helps retain that moisture. That's always kind of the their biggest questions that they have. But that being said, you can kind of see the progress here. And this is uh, where why I think 
the um, the uh, this topic today is so important uh, because uh, you know a lot of times cover crops are associated more with no-till. But this past summer, I went to the National Strip Tillage Conference, and I had a pre-conference three-and-a-half-hour time slot to talk about cover crops and strip till. And there was, I, I guess I was, maybe you'd say, pleasantly surprised how much interest in actually using cover crops and strip tillers that there was actually being done. I'm going to show you some pictures here uh, coming up. But just a little bit more in California, it really has taken off in California. And I just want to just mention that for information's sake. Uh, this is another picture in, in California of just, uh, they, they like their triticale out there and uh, where they're just preparing the beds to be able to plant corn in. And the nice thing about strip tillage is you, you don't have to really do a whole lot to your planters generally. You can use existing planters. Uh, because the, uh, the the row is is fairly, you know, it's almost like uh, we'll say uh, conventional tillage. So uh, this has really taken off, and and there are certain parts of the country where it's certainly more utilized than others. Uh, here in the east, more where I'm from, we have contoured fields, we have stones that do not really, uh, they're not really attractive to strip till. Uh, but in that flatter ground, there's guys that that's that's where they're at. Incorporating cover crops into this system is certainly something that is shown to be working. And I want to just share with you uh, today. I'm going to have to draw on other farmers and other farmers' pictures because I'm not a strip tiller, but I feel like I have some good ideas here to share. Uh, one of them is when you're strip tilling in the fall, in this case going into uh, soybean residue. Notice the Valmar cedar there. Uh, this particular farmer, as he is strip tilling, is essentially sprinkling seeds down right in front of the rollers there in the back. So there's a little incorporation there. Now, this is a really novel concept. It's uh, relatively inexpensive. You're doing it in a trip anyway, and just to put a... a uh, uh, a cover crop seed box on there is no big deal. So uh, it's just one idea there uh, that you might want to use, uh, those you're talking with or if you're a farmer yourself. Uh, this is how that very same field looked later on in this, actually uh, in the following early spring. And I uh, don't know all the details here. It looks like it's probably cereal rye. And, again, I'm not exactly sure what this farmer's plans were, but that's a pretty cool thing there. He was able to get the cover crop to hold that strip. And, again, I don't know all the things he was trying to accomplish, but I just want to show you what has been done and what can be done. We can go uh, a little farther north then to uh, Canada. This was the same concept here, and this is actually at a field day in, in late fall. You can actually see there's snow on the ground, but they dug a soil pit. And these were radishes that were sprinkled over the row as he was strip tilling. Now, uh, well, I, for, for myself personally, I, I wonder if the strip tillage was actually needed. Uh, I asked the question, couldn't the radishes maybe have done the strip tillage in this case? At the end of my presentation today, I want to show you uh, where that indeed, farmers have indeed done that. 
But for those who have the equipment and that's the, the way they're farming, being able to uh, be able to put uh, cover crops in in their system in strip tillage while they're stripping is certainly an option that, that can be done. Now, some of the challenges that go along with this, especially when you have a, a nice cover crop growing over winter and you want to do strip till in the spring, is working with those living cover crops in the spring, and particularly the roots, which we all know are good, but uh, because there's living roots in the soil, the soil may not flow as well, and you may have to adopt your strip tilling rig in some form or fashion to actually accomplish what you want to do. So you're trying to get the best of both worlds here, of course. Uh, the second point out there is making a good berm, and that's kind of like uh, in, in strip tilling terminology, that's that's uh, you know how how the strip looks when it's done. Is it ready to be planted into? There's some people their system re is either requires or they go back and they what they call freshen up the strips. They may take a little bit of different machine there in the spring. But these are some of the challenges in a strip till and cover crop situation. But that being said, uh, companies are rising to the occasion, I would say, since the more and more cover crops are being used. This is actually a closer up here of a Dawn unit. And again, there's many strip tillers out there, strip till type companies. But having a little bit more aggressive chopping action, which you can see close there, to uh, to chop up the soil a little bit, to maybe beat up the roots a little, to make it a little bit more smoother. It's just some of the things that are being done. Now this in this case here, uh, this would have been later in the fall. This was a cover crop that was planted. It looks like a mix of radishes and maybe cereal rye. And I'm not sure if there's anything else in there. Uh, you may ask the question, well, is it, is it worth using cover crops where you're going to take a third of them out with the actual strip tilling pass? And that, this was a question I asked to the strip tillers when I was speaking to them this summer. And uh, their answer was, well, they've, it's already done some good to the soil. And having two-thirds of the crop continue to grow over winter is going to continue to do some benefits to the soil. So just uh, another picture to, sh to show you that. And some some guys get a little bit more aggressive. And if you have the right strip tilling rig, you can get through some pretty heavy covers. In this case, it looks like it's pretty much radish here. Uh, I will say in these conditions, you better have some good traction I have heard some, uh, I'll just say, interesting stories from going into radishes. Uh, I've heard on one hand that they could actually go a gear faster or a mile an hour faster where the radishes were planted simply because they were already doing some of the work. I've also, in certain conditions, heard of guys who just could not pull anything because they couldn't get traction. And some of that has to do with... Uh, with the size of the radish and the tubers and how many are sticking up, how thick they're planted. But if any of you have been around radish, you know that at the stage like you're seeing there, you're going to have to have some good traction to be able to pull anything through there. So that's just a little kind of FYI out there on what you can and cannot do. I would ask the question, a picture like this, is the strip tilling necessary? I certainly understand that if you're banding nutrients, there's a good reason to do that. But I simply asked the question, 
uh, maybe the cover crops are doing some of that for us. And I have heard of farmers who have lessened their ripping or strip tilling to a degree when they started seeing the actual benefits of cover crops. The uh, the next picture maybe more typifies a more common approach. This would be early spring. Uh, I'm going to guess this is cereal rye here where the farmer's out there stripping his field, probably getting ready to plant soon. Uh, here again, you got to have a machine that is able to handle basically the root mass that's going to be coming up. And if it's too cloddy, I'll say, and your planter is not capable of planting through that and getting good seed to soil contact, I, I guess that's the that's the things you need to be aware of when you're doing this to make sure you'll be able to get good seed to soil contact after you get through a cover crop because it certainly is different. And that's, that's what's really important to know. But, well, as you can see here, this cover crop has, has grown, um, looks like it's about a foot tall. And so it's obviously done some good. Um, and, uh, in this case here, it's a possibility you may have to come back again. It just depends on the conditions, maybe when it was done and so forth. So there are also other machines out there that are a little bit more aggressive. And uh, here's a little bit more of a close-up here. In this case here, you can see that it, would, it had been done earlier, and this was a second pass. So this is a very aggressive pass coming back. Uh, I'm assuming it would have been done in the fall, coming back in the spring again. So... There's all different kinds of ways to do this with cover crops. And you're going to have to, you know, based on the equipment that the farmers have or what your soil type is, you're going to have to adapt that into the cover cropping. But I think the point here is, uh, indeed, you can use cover crops with strip-till. I'm confident in saying that. <clears throat> but just as in with planters, you need to have the planter or you need to have the right machine here to be able to accomplish getting your uh, your cash crop planted in a way that's not going to affect it because of the usually it's the extra root mass that you have into it. Now, through a few more ideas out here, which was uh, very intriguing and spent quite a bit of time talking about when I talked to strip till farmers, is using their no-till planters to plant to precision plant a cover crop. Because now we can we can plant that cover crop and kind of synchronize it with our cash crop next year, either in it with the, with planned uh, stripping or with uh, maybe as a way to do what I'm going to call a biological strip till or a bio strip till. Um, so typically, row spacings are uh, are are good, but they're not all the time right. Uh, most planters are 30-inch planters, which is typical for beans and corn. You might have a 15-inch planter, and you can mess around with a few things. I would say from the context of cover crop growth, when you're at 15-inch or even a 30-inch cover crop, if you're using your planter early on, that's fine. But when we're getting late in the year, having the row spacings of the cover crop planted closer, like a typical 7.5-inch drill would do, is much more preferred. Now, that again could depend on the year. I know that you, this year across uh, large portions of the country, we're a little later than normal, and that's going to 
probably hinder some cover crop planting acreage, at least uh, having ideal planting times. That being said, for farmers to be able to use their planters and the precision planters, and I've talked about this before, but I just want to bring it up here, using a precision planter with a row space and similar to your strip-till rig is certainly a, an idea worth considering how you may be able to use that. And, and some of the points about using precision planters, and by the way, they have the, the, the plates out now that can be that can you can seed mixes with. Um, but because the precision planters have an usually better seed spacing, the option of row cleaners and things like that, you can literally plant lower seeding rates and get a very good stand. So there's a there's a good reason to consider using precision planters. Uh, farmers have them set in there. They're not being used that time of year. Typically, they're wider anyway than what drills are. A lot of reasons to consider this, and I just wanted to put that in here in this talk to so to mention that. But uh, I just want to show uh, a few examples here. This happens to be a picture from um, a friend of mine slash neighbor who lives about 15 miles away. Uh, that he had a, he had a Kinsey 15 inch row planter and he alternated the rows of radish and triticale. So this picture here was taken uh, very early spring. You can see the radishes have essentially been winter killed and the triticale is just starting to uh, wake up and starting to grow. But, um, the idea here then is to plant your corn row either on or slightly off that radish row. When you have radishes this big, depending on how mature they are, depending how they winter killed, when they winter killed, you can have a lot of holes in that row. And there is a slight risk of losing some seed, particularly if you're actually singulating radish. They tend to grow bigger. So you're seeing here inch and a half to two inch diameter radishes. They could have a hole three or four inches deep before it gets down to the taproot which may not be good for some of the corn seeds to drop a little deeper. So moving off a little bit to the side here is good. But what's cool about this is that you're essentially what we're going to call here bio-strip tilling. We know the aggressiveness of the radish. But then the weakness of radishes are that there's nothing there early in the spring to keep the nitrate nitrogen there. What's actually being released from the radish, what it picked up in the fall – is being released back in the soil profile usually before the corn has a chance to grow enough to get it. By having a green cover there is um, going to keep that nitrate in your soil profile so that uh, a couple weeks later, once things get gone, this is that same area there, uh, how you can see the triticales growing and growing very well. This farmer has manure that he applies. So he's trying to keep all that nitrogen there in his fields, and uh, so it can be utilized. So as as he plants through there, in this case, he's planting right into what was the radish row and then uh, using that green cover there in the middle. And I think this is a really cool concept. I would say, too, that if you are um, strip-tilling, you could, you could strip-till that, um, Honestly, don't know that it's necessary as many times as people would think it would be, but uh, just wanted to um, share some ideas out there on that. 